Chapter 3 I hit the ground hard, landing on both feet. Pain shot up from my ankles, and I dropped to my knees. The pain roared up my legs, my chest, my head. The woods turned bright scarlet. Breathing hard, I shook away the pain and climbed to my feet. Had it worked? Had our jump to the other side of the wall made us change bodies? I turned to Lucy, but she had disappeared. Lucy? I was staring at myself. Her mouth. My mouth dropped open as she stared back at me. I lowered my eyes to examine myself. I was wearing Lucy's clothes. The sleeveless yellow t-shirt, the short black skirt over yellow tights. Oh, wow, I murmured. I slid my hands over my face, felt my nose. Lucy's tiny nose. Reached up and ran one hand over my ponytail. Lucy's hair, not my hair. I'm Nicole and Lucy's body. We were both giggling now, both staring at each other, wide-eyed, not believing it, staring and giggling. Neither of us said anything. We both started laughing hard. We tossed back our heads and laughed up at the sky. I felt giddy. I felt crazy. I felt out of control. Tears of laughter brimmed in my eyes. Through the tears, I stared at myself, at Lucy and my body. It wasn't like looking in a mirror. I realized I'd never really seen myself before. I had never seen the single dimple that deepened in my right cheek when I left, never noticed that my mouth curled up more on one side than the other. I had never been able to see how my long hair glistened down my back, how it swished behind me with each turn of my head. It's so strange, so totally strange. I'm outside myself, I thought. I'm outside myself watching me. I'm Lucy now, watching Nicole. I stared as Nicole raised her hands to her cheeks, saw her long red nails spread out against her face. We were still laughing, tears running down our cheeks. And suddenly we were hugging each other, holding on to each other tightly, laughing and hugging, laughing and crying at the same time. We started spinning, holding on to each other, we started spinning in a wild, joyful dance, spinning faster and faster, Nicole and Lucy, Lucy and Nicole, switched, whirling together, together, not one, not the other spinning in a circle of both of us, whirling and laughing, so much joy, and then it ended as suddenly as the jump that started it, and we dropped to our knees on the warm grass breathing hard, and gazed at each other with solemn expressions. The giddiness vanished, and we realized what we had done. We had jumped more than a few feet, we had jumped into new lives, jumped into each other's life. Lucy began singing, dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. I recognized the theme song from The Twilight Zone. I laughed. You're right, I agreed. We've stepped into the twilight zone. We can't tell anyone, Lucy said, her voice a hushed whisper now. Not anyone, Nicole. Call me Lucy, I told her. I'm you now. Call me by your name. She hesitated. I still think of myself as Lucy, she said, even though I look like Nicole now. You're right, I agreed. We can't tell anyone. No one would believe it anyway. We'll live each other's lives for a while. And when we get tired of it, Lucy interrupted, we'll come back here to the changing wall and we'll change back. Yes, I quickly agreed. Then I felt a pang of guilt. What's wrong? Lucy asked. She must have seen my expression change. I won't want to come back, I confessed. My life is the pits. I... I think you made a bad deal, Lucy. Nicole, don't worry about it, she replied. I think... But my parents are so awful, I cried. They're like watchdogs, always sniffing, always alert, always waiting to catch me in some kind of trouble. And... And David... What about David? Lucy asked softly. I told you he broke up with me, I replied, so you won't have a boyfriend. She smiled and brushed back her long, dark brown hair with the shiny red fingernails. Maybe I'll try to win him back, she purred. And now I have Kent, I continued, still troubled and guilty. Kent is such a great guy. How do you feel about that, Lucy? 
How do you feel about me going out with Kent now? She shrugged. Nicole, this was my idea, remember? I knew exactly what I was getting into. I opened my mouth to reply, but there didn't seem to be any more to say. The sky above the trees darkened. The afternoon sun had started to lower itself. A warm breeze made the newly unfurled leaves shimmer and whisper all around us. We'd better get home, Lucy said. My mom will be waiting for you at the door, I warned her. You'd better have a good excuse ready. I'll just tell her we jumped off a wall and switched bodies, and that's why I'm late, Lucy said, grinning. My dimpled grin. She tossed back my dark brown hair as she started to laugh. We both laughed. I still felt so giddy, so strange. I stretched my arms above my head. I took a few steps over the tall grass in my new body. I felt awkward. The legs moved differently. The feet were smaller. It took an effort to stand up straight to keep the head raised. Walking should be natural, I told myself, but I just wasn't used to this body. A few more steps. I glanced back at the wall. In the fading light, it appeared to be a gray blur. Just a dark cloud above the grass. If I didn't squint, I couldn't see it at all. Lucy and I didn't say much as we made our way through the woods to the street. I guess we were lost in our own thoughts, thinking about our new lives, getting used to our new bodies. A few minutes later, we stepped back onto Fear Street. The old Fear Mansion rose up like a dark creature against the graying sky. I saw two scrawny cats scampering along a row of graves in the cemetery. We walked on in silence. I said goodbye to Lucy about a block from my house. Good luck, I cried. Good luck, she echoed. Then she waved to me, turned, and jogged across the street. I stood and stared. It was just so weird watching myself run away. I watched Lucy until the trees blocked her from the view. Then I turned and headed toward her house on Canyon Drive. Can I really fool Lucy's parents? I wondered. Can I really make the Kramers think that I'm their daughter? And will I be able to fool Lucy's friends? Will I be able to fool Kent? Will I be able to fool my own friends? So many questions as I hesitated at the bottom of Lucy's driveway and stared up at her little white shingled house. Remember, Nicole, I warned myself, don't be sarcastic. Lucy is never sarcastic. You're the sarcastic one. Lucy is sweet and serious. I took a deep breath and made my way up to the house. The front door was open halfway. I pulled open the screen door and stepped into the small entryway. Hi, I'm home, I called. Sorry I'm so late. No reply. The car is in the driveway. The Kramers had to be home. Where are you? I called. I started into the living room, but stopped at the doorway with a loud gasp. I blinked several times, but the gruesome scene refused to go away. I grabbed the door frame with both hands and stared down in horror at the dark puddles of blood. The slashed bodies sprawled on the floor, and then I opened my mouth in a scream I thought would never end. Chapter 4 my legs trembled so violently I fell, landed on my knees. My whole body shuddered. I fought back the nausea that choked my throat. Lucy's parents lay dead on the living room carpet, on their backs, their bodies slashed and ripped, their clothes cut and soaked with blood, eyes staring blankly up at the ceiling in wide horror, and the blood, the puddles, so dark and wide, beneath their cut, twisted bodies like wine-colored rafts, like deep, dark holes in a shaggy white rug. The Kramers, Lucy's parents, murdered, dead on the living room floor. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy! I don't know how long I repeated her name. I don't know how long I remained there at the living room doorway, on my knees, trembling all over, blinking rapidly, staring at the horror, staring at the slashed bodies of Lucy's parents, repeating my friend's name in a low chant. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy! I could have been there for only a minute or two. 
or it could have been an hour. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy! Waves of red rushed before my eyes. Hot waves of red blood washed over me, blinding me, choking me. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy! Rubbing my eyes, trying to rub away the ugly scene of horror, I struggled to my feet and staggered to the front door. Got to tell Lucy, I murmured out loud. I couldn't think of anything else. The horror was too fresh, the blood too red. Got to tell Lucy. I stumbled out the front door. My new body still felt strange. I had to concentrate on placing one foot in front of the other. Lucy and I will have to switch back now, I realized. We'll have to return to that gray wall in the woods and switch back. Poor Lucy. She wanted to try a new life, but now... Every time I blinked, I saw the dark puddles on the white carpet. Saw the Kramer's blank staring eyes. Saw their clothes all cut. All cut. Somehow, I made it to my house. My ponytail had come undone, but I made no attempts to fix it. I had torn the yellow tights. The sun had lowered behind the houses, cooling the air, but I was drenched in sweat. I must have run the whole way. At least six blocks. I didn't remember running, but I was gasping for air, my chest heaving up and down, as I crossed the street to my house. Over the front lawn the grass freshly mowed, moist blades sticking to my sneakers as I ran. Onto the front porch. Lucy! Lucy! My voice breathless and shrill as I frantically called her name. I stopped outside the front door, stopped to catch my breath, and to think. How could I tell her what I had seen in her living room? How could I tell her? How? Chapter 5 I'll have to get her alone, undecided. My parents will think I'm Lucy. They'll wonder why I am bursting in at dinner time. They'll wonder why my hair is all disheveled and my clothes torn. They'll wonder why I am so upset and out of breath. There will be so many questions, questions, questions. I'll drag Lucy outside, and then I'll tell her there was an accident. Yes, an accident, I decided. I won't break it to her all at once. I'll be careful and considerate. I won't just blurt out that her parents have both been murdered in their living room. I won't tell her about the blood, the blood, the blood. I swallowed hard, cut my hand over my mouth as I started to retch. I couldn't hold it back any longer. The horror I had seen was too overwhelming. Bending over at the bottom of the driveway, I vomited until my sides ached. My stomach heaved again and again as if my whole body was trying to push away what I had seen. My legs trembling, I sucked in one deep breath after another, uttering low moans, waiting for my stomach to stop lurching. When I finally felt a little steadier, I made my way to the front door. I turned the knob locked. I started to call out, Lucy, but I stopped myself, remembering that she was Nicole now. I rang the bell. I heard it chime once, twice, three times inside my house. No reply. I stumbled off the front stoop and made my way around to the back. The kitchen door was locked, too. Even though it was dinner time, the kitchen stood dark and empty. I knocked loudly on the kitchen door. Anyone home? Nicole? Are you here? I called. Silence. I pressed my forehead against the glass on the door and peered in again. No one home, I realized. Where were they? Had they gone out for dinner? Lucy, where are you? I whispered. Lucy, you have to know what happened. I have to tell you, Lucy. I have to tell someone. I couldn't keep it to myself much longer. I couldn't hold the horror in without exploding, without going totally crazy. I backed away from the kitchen door, my hands pressed to my face. I expected to feel my long, red nails pushing against my skin. But of course, I didn't have my nails. I had Lucy's short, chewed-up nails. Picturing the Kramers on their living room rug, I began to feel the waves of nausea again. I knew there was nothing left to vomit up. My mind spun wildly. Who could I tell? Who? The Shady Side Police? 
How could I tell the police before I told Lucy? How could I tell them before we switched back into our own bodies? No, I decided, it would be too confusing, too confusing and painful for all of us. I won't tell the police until I've told Lucy, I told myself. And then Kent's face flashed into my mind. Kent, he was so smart and kind, so thoughtful, so understanding. Kent will listen to me, I decided. Kent will believe me. Kent will help me. I swallowed hard, struggled to catch my breath, to stop my legs from shaking. I pushed back the moist strands of blonde hair that had fallen across my forehead. Yes, Kent. Kent's house was only two blocks away. I jogged down the driveway, glancing back at my house, so dark and empty. Two boys raced by on bikes as I reached the sidewalk. I didn't see them until they were practically on top of me. Look out, I heard one of them shout. I saw them swerve to avoid hitting me. What's your problem? the other boy shouted back. If only he knew, I thought sadly. I felt too strange, too upset to run. My heart fluttered in my chest like a dozen butterflies. My legs felt so heavy, as if I weighed a thousand pounds. I walked through someone's flower garden. The wet dirt clung to my shoes. I nearly tripped over a blue skateboard someone had left at the bottom of their front yard. The two blocks to Ken's house seemed a mile long. Finally, I found myself staring up at the square, two-story red brick house with its slanting, red-tile roof. Behind me on the street, a car rolled past slowly. Its headlights swept over me. I realized it must look like a mess, like a crazed wild person. You can't worry about that now, I scolded myself. If I had only been in my real body, would that have made me feel any better? Probably not. I didn't remember climbing the sloping lawn to Ken's front door. But here I was, pounding hard on the door with my fist, shouting Ken's name at the top of my lungs. Be home, be home, I silently prayed. Someone has to be home tonight. Someone has to share this nightmare with me. Someone has to help me. The porch light flashed on, casting a cone of yellow light over the front stoop. As I blinked against the sudden brightness, the front door swung open. Kent poked his head out, his face pale in the porch light, his blue eyes wide with surprise. Please, help me, I stammered. His eyes studied mine, locked onto my eyes. What's wrong? he demanded. I gazed past him, into the house. Are your parents home? He shook his head. No, they're in Waynesbridge. Why? What's the matter? I could feel the tears welling in my eyes, could feel the sobs building in my chest. Nicole, don't cry, I instructed myself. You've got to get the story out. Don't cry. Don't cry now. Save the tears for later. You'll have plenty of time to cry when Lucy knows what has happened and you are back in your own body. What's wrong? Kent demanded. You look terrible. Can I come in? My voice trembled. A single teardrop slid down my right cheek. He stepped back and I pushed past him into the front room. I grabbed onto the back of the couch, squeezing the soft leather, holding myself up. He followed me into the room, his handsome face tight with concern. He had straw-colored hair, wavy and thick, down over his collar. He had blue-gray eyes, serious eyes. He was tall and athletic-looking. I'd always admired him because he seemed so comfortable with himself. I don't think I ever saw him nervous or in a bad mood. Now he narrowed his eyes at me, waiting for me to explain. I glanced around, unsure of how to start. I saw a single place set at the dining room table. The house smelled of tomato sauce. Sit down and tell me what happened. I put a frozen pizza in the oven, Ken explained. Did you eat yet? And then it all burst out of me in a flood of words. I started at the beginning, when I met Lucy after school, and told him everything. Lucy took me to Fear Street, I explained. Her grandfather told her about the changing wall. We switched bodies, Kent. We both wanted to, and we did it. His mouth dropped open. He raised a hand as a signal for me to stop, but I couldn't stop. 
not until I had revealed everything. We switched bodies, I repeated. I know it's hard to believe, but you have to. You have to! I know I look like Lucy, but I'm really Nicole. Listen, Nicole, he started, but I wouldn't let him talk. Lucy went to my house, and I went to hers, I continued, talking fast, faster than I had ever talked in my life. But when I got to her house, when I got to her house... What? Kent demanded impatiently. Oh, Kent, I cried, letting the tears flow now. Oh, Kent, it was so horrible. Both of her parents, both of them were murdered, slashed to pieces. I found their bodies on the living room floor, and I ran out. I've got to tell Lucy. I've got to. But she wasn't home. She wasn't at my house. She doesn't know, Kent. She doesn't know. I, I... The sobs leaped from my throat. My shoulders heaved up and down as I started to weep. I felt Kent's hands on my shoulders, tenderly, trying to calm me. He held me and brought his face close to mine to whisper in my ear. It's okay, Nicole. It's going to be okay. He was being so gentle, so kind. I knew he would be. He was such a good guy. Nicole, I'll help you, he said softly. Don't worry, I'm going to help you. He led me around to the front of the couch and helped me lower myself onto the cushion. Then he stayed with one hand on my shoulder, talking to me softly until I finally stopped crying. Thanks, Kent, I murmured, wiping my soggy cheeks with both hands. Thanks. I'm going to get you some water to drink, he said, stepping away from the couch. Don't get up, okay? Just stay right there. Okay, I replied. I thanked him again. I took deep breaths, trying to calm myself. Be right back, Kent said. He stepped through the dining room and disappeared into the kitchen. A few seconds later, I heard his voice from the kitchen. Who is he talking to? I wondered. I pushed myself to my feet and crept to the dining room on trembling legs. Halfway through the dining room, I could hear Kent's voice clearly. I realized he was on the phone. That's right, officer, I heard him say. I'm keeping her right here, but you'd better hurry. She might try to get away. Chapter 6 A silent gasp escaped my throat. The room tilted in front of me. The floor rose up, and I had to grab the dining room table to steady myself. I felt so betrayed, so confused and betrayed. Why did Kent call the police? Didn't he believe my story? Did he think I murdered the Kramers? I heard him hang up the phone. Then I heard him walk to the sink. I heard the splash of water in the sink. He was getting me the glass of water he had promised. I hesitated, still holding on to the table edge, still waiting for the room to stop tilting and swaying. What should I do? There's no way I'm going to sit here and wait for the police, I told myself, not in Lucy's body. Unless I get back in my own body, no one will believe my story, I decided. Kent had just pretended to believe me. Kent must think I'm Lucy. He only called me Nicole to humor me, to calm me down. So he could sneak into the kitchen and call the police at his first opportunity. I could hear him shut off the water tap. I heard him open the freezer. Heard the plop of ice cubes dropping into the glass. I took a step back. Then another. Moving back toward the living room. I'm getting out, I decided. I'm not waiting around here. Kent betrayed me. I'm not sure why. Hey, Nicole. How are you doing? He called from the kitchen. His cheerful voice made my skin crawl. I'd always thought he was such a great guy, so smart and caring. Now I hated him. Hated him for lying to me, for trying to trick me. Hated him for not being my friend. I turned and started to run. The room tilted and rose up as if trying to keep me prisoner. But I forced myself to run straight burst into the front hallway. Nicole, wait. Hey, Nicole. I heard Kent's desperate shout behind me from the dining room. I hit the screen door hard with my shoulder and bolted out of the house. I leaped down all three steps of the front stoop and kept running. 
Hey, Nicole, stop. Come back. Was he going to chase after me? I darted across the street into someone's yard, ducked low behind their tall evergreen hedge, kept moving, ignoring the pounding of my heart, the flashes of red, the images of the blood-red puddles that flared up every time I blinked. I crossed another three or four yards before I dared to glance back. No sign of Kent. No, he wasn't coming after me. What's your problem, Kent? I asked out loud through gasps for breath. What's your problem? Why did you do that to me? Lucy is your girlfriend, remember? Why did you call the police to come get your girlfriend? Cupping a hand over my ear, I listened for police sirens. I didn't hear any. Somewhere down the block, two little kids were having a shrill argument. Did not. Did too. Did not. Hearing their innocent voices made my breath catch in my throat. I suddenly wanted to be a little kid again. I didn't want to be Lucy anymore. I didn't want to be seventeen. I didn't want to know there were two slashed bodies lying on Lucy's living room floor. I kept moving through front yards, crossing streets carefully, alert for the police. Alert for anyone who might be following me. Alert to every sound, every movement. Lucy, I have to find you, I thought. Lucy, I have such terrible news. Without realizing it, I had returned to my house. I slipped across the driveway and clung to the wide trunk of the old sassafras tree near the walk. The tree was an old friend. How many hours had I spent reading in its shade or playing around it with the neighborhood kids? Holding on to the trunk, I gazed up at the house, still dark and empty. Lucy, where are you? Lucy, I need you. I scratched my knee, realized the tights were completely ripped. I swept my hair off my forehead. It felt wet and tangled. I must look like a horror, I realized. I heard voices, the neighbors stepping out of their house. I pressed against the tree, trying to hide myself. I can't stay here, I realized. I can't stay here staring up at an empty house. My mind whirred and spun like a cyclone. I pressed both hands against my temples, trying to force my thoughts to calm. I'll go back to Lucy's house, I decided. The neighbor's car started up. The sounds made me jump. I pressed myself tighter against a friendly old tree trunk and waited for them to leave. Their headlights swept over my yard, rolled down the tree trunk. Can they see me here? I wondered. They didn't stop. I watched the car roll down the dark street. Back to Lucy's house, I told myself. To change into fresh clothes, and to fix my hair. And make myself look more together. I'll rush past the living room. I won't look in there again. I don't need to see the Kramer's bodies again. I see them every time I shut my eyes. I'll clean myself up. It'll make me feel a little better. And then I'll phone my house. I'll phone my house and keep phoning until I reach Lucy. I won't tell her the awful news over the phone. That would be too cruel, I decided. I can't do that to poor Lucy. I'll tell her to meet me in the Fear Street woods. I'll tell her we have to switch back into our own bodies right away. Then when we've switched back, I'll tell her what has happened. And I'll help her. I'll be there for her. She's always been there for me. Having a plan helped to calm me down a little. My heart still thudded in my chest but the spinning, worrying cyclone of my thoughts slowed, and the ground stopped tilting as I walked. As I turned the corner onto Canyon Drive, I heard the wail of sirens, distant sirens. I stopped and listened. Were they coming this way? Were they coming for me? The sound faded, replaced by the soft whisper of the trees. I ran the rest of the way to Lucy's house, let myself in through the back door so I wouldn't have to go past the living room. I clicked on the kitchen light and glanced around. The kitchen gleamed, clean and orderly. No sign that two horrible murders had taken place in the next room. I shuddered and made my way to Lucy's room. It was at the end of a short hall on the first floor. The hallway was dark. I fumbled along the wall but couldn't find the light switch. I bumped hard into something solid against the wall. 
It took me a few seconds to realize it was a wicker clothes hamper. I stepped around it, rubbing my knee, and pushed open the door to Lucy's room. I waited for my eyes to adjust to the dim light from the window. Then I clicked on a small nightstand lamp. It cast pale yellow light over the bed. My eyes swept over the smooth bedspread to the closet. I came back here to change, I remembered. I edged around the bed to the closet. Lucy's closet. Lucy's clothes. The sliding door caught. It seemed to be off its track. I needed both hands to slide it open. Oh! I uttered a cry as I stared into the closet. Empty. No clothes. Two large cardboard cartons on the floor. How can the closet be empty? Where are Lucy's clothes? My heart thudded harder. I suddenly felt chilled. What's going on here? I spun away from the closet, lurched to the dresser against the wall, and began pulling open drawers. Empty. All empty. Why would Lucy take all of her clothes? The question repeated in my mind. Before I could answer it, I saw the blood-smeared knife on the desk, and all questions and thoughts flew from my mind. Part 2 Chapter 7 The knife blade glowed dully in the yellow lamplight. Dark purple stains ran down the blade onto the desktop. Rivulets of dry blood. I stared at the knife until it blurred before my eyes. It isn't real, I thought. I'm not staring at a blood-caked knife on Lucy's desk. I'm not. I'm not. I tried to blink it away, but it would not leave. It was real. A real knife. A kitchen knife. A black-handled kitchen knife. I took a deep breath, then another. Then I made my way closer to the desk. The knife stood upright. The blade had been plunged into the desk. As I drew closer, I saw that the handle was also streaked with blood. Such a big knife, I thought. Such a big knife, all covered in blood. Why is it here? Why is it sticking up from the desk in Lucy's room? My hands pressed tightly against the sides of my face. I took another step closer. The blade had been stabbed through a sheet of paper, a sheet of lined notebook paper. A dark thumbprint smudged the bottom of the page. The thumbprint was dark purple, a thumbprint made of blood. Struggling to focus my eyes, I saw writing on the paper, scrawled handwriting in dark blue ink, three lines of writing above the spot where the knife punctured the paper. Squinting into the hazy light, I leaned close to the desk and read the scrawled words. I had to kill them. I couldn't take it anymore. Lucy K. I swallowed hard. I had to force myself to breathe. No, I cried backing away. No, please, no! I backed up until I reached the bed. Then I dropped onto the smooth bedspread and buried my head in my hands. I shut my eyes tight, but I could still see the scrawled words in my mind. The scrawled confession. Lucy's confession. She had murdered both of her parents, stabbed them, slashed them, then plunged the murder weapon into the desk. And then, and then, she took all of her clothes? Escaped with all of her clothes? No, that made no sense. I opened my eyes, glanced up, caught a glimpse of myself in the dresser mirror. That glimpse made me realize the full horror. That one second glimpse made everything come clear. Lucy had murdered her parents. She wrote her confession, left the murder weapon in her room for all to see. Then she switched bodies with me. Now here I sat, Lucy. I was Lucy. I was the murderer. And Lucy had escaped by becoming Nicole. Lucy escaped by becoming me. And I became the murderer. Oh, how cold, I realized. How cold, Lucy. How did you ever plan something so cold? The perfect crime. The perfect escape. You are now Nicole, and no one will believe that I am not Lucy. 
When I tell the truth, no one will believe me, because I am Lucy the murderer. No wonder Lucy was so eager to switch bodies with me, so eager to enter my unhappy, depressing life. She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew she was leaving me to take the blame, the blame for two horrible murders. She knew she was making a clean escape. Escape. The word rang out in my ears. Escape. How can I escape? I had a sudden impulse to grab the sheet of paper, to tear up the confession, to pull out the knife and hide it. Then another frantic thought. I'll take the knife. I'll take the knife and find Lucy. I'll threaten her with it. I'll force her to switch bodies again. I'll force her to let me be Nicole again. If she won't, I told myself, I'll kill her. I really will. No, no, no. I knew I couldn't kill anyone. And I couldn't kill Lucy, even after what she had done to me. But what could I do? I have to find her, I decided. I have to talk to her. I have to... My wild, unhappy thoughts were interrupted by a loud noise. Startled, I leapt up off the bed. A pounding. It repeated. Three knocks. Someone at the front door? I clicked off the bedside lamp, casting the room in darkness. Then I made my way past the desk, past the knife, past the handwritten confession. I crept into the living room and pulled back the curtains just an inch, stared out at the front stoop, and saw two grim-faced men in gray suits, two police detectives.